Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, October 27th, 2015. Today we are reading from the Big Book and we are on page XXXI, paragraph 1 in the Doctor's Opinion. Today's readers are Reading the 12 Steps, Diane G. Reading the 12 Traditions, Janice B. And reading the text this morning, Marcella M., Martha Z., and Elizabeth S. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, October 26, 2015, is 8147. 8147. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Diane G. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Diane G. from New Hampshire. So grateful to be here this morning. 12 steps, number one. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us from sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Melanie, and I pass. Thank you, Diane G. 
I will now ask Janice B. to read the 12 traditions. Thank you, Melanie. Good morning. This is Janice B., compulsive overeater. Um, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there's but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. These problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remember should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, and COA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Janice B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the person speaking, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page XXXI in the doctor's opinion, starting with paragraph 1 and 2 for the beginning study. I will now ask Marcella M. to start us out. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, listeners. My name is Marcella M. I'm a recovered composer over here. The doctor's opinion. What is the solution? Perhaps I can best answer this by relating one of my experiences. About one year prior to this experience, a man was brought brought in to be treated for chronic alcoholism. 
He had but, but partially recovered from a gastric hemorrhage and seemed to be a case of pathological mental deterioration. He had lost everything worthwhile in life and was only living, one might say, to drink. He frankly admitted and believed that for him there was no hope. Following the elimination of alcohol, there was found to be no permanent brain injury. He accepted the plan outline in this book. One year later, he came, he called to see me, and I experienced a very strange sensation. I knew the man by name and partly recognized his features, but their all resemblance ended from a trembling, despairing, nervous wreck had emerged a, a man brimming over with self-reliance and contentment. I talked with him for some time, but was not able to bring myself to feel that I had known him before. To me, he was a stranger, and so he left me. A long time has passed with no return to alcohol. Um, as I said, my name is Marcel. I'm recovered. I'm so happy to be here, and I'm all packed, and I'm all, all ready for to meet with you on Friday. Um, I have a very important job. I'm going to be in the front desk from three to five. I want to meet one. I want to meet all of you face to face. I'm greedy for you, um, which is a revelation, as it says in this paragraph. Um, in this paragraph, you know where it says that um, that I knew the man by name and partly recognized his features. That happens to me every morning when I stand in front of the mirror. I stand in front of the mirror and I say, who are you? I sort of like remember you, but but who are you? I'm just, I'm just, it's just, I'm like a distant relative from the woman I used to be. Um, there was a time not far ago, like less than five years ago, I would stand in front of the mirror and I couldn't, I couldn't make eye contact. I just couldn't look myself in the eye. For I had binged the night before. I was calculating how much gain I was, weight I was going to gain. I was trying to speculate how much exercise I needed to do in order to get rid of the calories that I had ingested. I was um, desperately trying to figure out what to eat next or when to eat next. And I was morbidly reflecting upon my size, my weight, my looks my shape, my BMI, and all of the above. And I was not open and ready for anything else in life. So, so yeah, so I look myself in the mirror, and I know, I mean, for, for the doctor, you know the doctor, he might think that I'm self-reliant, and you guys know that I'm reliant upon the higher power. And the word contentment, ah, I'm, so, I'm just so content. There's so much peace and so much silence. My 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 meals have been way and measured. They packed for today. I had breakfast already. Um, I know exactly when and where and what I'm going to have for lunch. And then there's beautiful space from now all the way to one o'clock, where I'm free, completely free, to try to figure out how to better self others, so that I can be in maximum contact, the highest intensity of contact with the higher power of my understanding, of my experience. Um, so uh, going back to where I started, I just as we read in 164, I, I didn't know that I craved fellowship. I had no idea that what I needed was contact, direct contact with you guys, with people that are like me. I had no idea that that was going to give me contentment. 
if there is a crown in the vision for you, that'll be the doctor's opinion. Because the rest of the program is the same. It's the same. Go to any, you know, decent AA meeting and you'll find the program. That crown of a vision for you is the doctor's opinion. Here's the key. Once you know what's alcohol, once I know what's my alcohol, I can abstain and begin my recovery. I'm very eager to meet you, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Marcella M., who would like to comment on what was read this morning. Press star one, anyone? Hi, I'm Dana. Dana? Yes, I'm sorry I um, came into the meeting late, so I wasn't able to hear the reading, but I did hear previous comments, and is it okay if I comment on that? Yes, just give me one moment here, Dana, and I'll give you a chance to review. We're on page XXXI in the doctor's opinion, the first two paragraphs, and I'm going to call to see if anybody else wants to share before we start. Anyone else this morning? That's great. Anybody else want to share this morning? This is Larry. Hey, Larry. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning. Anyone else? Well, let's go with Dana. Dana, what's the first initial of your last name? M. M like Mary? Yes. Okay, great. It is your turn. Go ahead. Okay. Um, sorry, I'm still getting my book. But um, I, uh, I would like to say that... Um, I could totally relate to uh, being um, just being totally consumed with food, and that's where I've been last night and this morning, and um, I've been up since three, and even in the getting my food ready for the day, I have been... um, I spent time doing that instead of spending time with my higher power and um, had a lot of shame and had a hard time looking myself in the mirror this morning with um, what I ate last night. And um, and I know that it's a new day and I, I needed this meeting. And um, I am grateful to to be at this meeting. I'm grateful that um, I do have tools and um, my sponsor was not awake yet. <laughs> so I didn't call her and I was like, so I looked online for a meeting and um, I just know I want to be at that place of freedom and that place where um, I don't have to worry about food and I can think about others and and make sure that I maintain my conscious contact with God throughout the day. Um, I am learning. I've been in the program a few months and I have not maintained any sort of abstinence (laughs) at all. And um, I just am listening and hearing and I'm working my steps. I'm on step four now, and I'm I'm having a hard time presenting it and doing my step five, and I think that would really help me if I could just step up and do that. And um, 
uh, it seems like I have a few days where I, I do good and then I and then I do like last night. And I just, um, I know that my higher power is forgiving and loving and a God who is, cares about everything, even what I put in my mouth. And um, with that, I pass. Am, am I supposed to say my contact information? Not at this time, but I'm thank, thankful that you mentioned that. Please stick around. This is a two-hour meeting, and we'll give you opportunities for that. So please stay with oh, us, great. Dana. Okay, thank, thank you. you. You're welcome. Larry Kay, it's your turn. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning. Larry Kay, uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, you know, what we read in this paragraph is uh, what I love about this is, you know, Dr. Silkworth, uh, he didn't recognize the change. You know, this whole program is about change. Um, you know, uh, when, when someone has a, a, a spiritual awakening or a personality change sufficient to arrest this disease and they begin to change, um, yeah, sometimes, sometimes you don't recognize that person. Um, you know, for instance, I, I remember um, before I came into program, um, there were many times where I lost weight and my physical packaging looked dramatically different. I remember one time I, I, you know, my solution, I found my solution. It was running the uh, Chicago Marathon and training for that. That was my solution. Maybe some of you uh, have had similar types of solutions. Um, and my body changed. Um, but you see, my, my insides didn't change. Uh, what was between my ears didn't change. So I continued to go out and, and uh, like a tornado, I ripped through relationships and I ripped through, uh, you know, all sorts of, uh, I just created destruction in my wake. I left the dead bodies, you know, I mean, um, you know, it was, it was just, uh, that, that was the situation I was in. But see, once, once you see someone that comes through this practical program of action, they begin to change in ways that you can see that beyond the physical, because if, if this was just a physical change, well, then the best-looking person in the room, you know, whatever you subjectively believe that is, whoever has the best physical packaging to you, they're the winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, you know? I mean, no, no, no. What happens is, is what I'm attracted to now is uh, humility and uh, love and kindness and warmth in others. And I can see, and I've had the privilege of seeing that change happen for other people as the result of these steps. Well, sure, their physical packaging changes. You know, once the spiritual malady is overcome, you know, we straighten out physically. Sure, sure we do. And, 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 and mentally as well. And uh, that's the process. That's what Dr. Silkworth was referring to here. It wasn't just a physical change. You know, it was a emotional change, and most certainly it was a spiritual change. And you can see that. You're going to see that in Virginia Beach. You'll see that in your meetings from time to time. You'll see people. You'll look in their eyes, and you'll see a, you'll see a certain something. And, and if you follow them around, you know, you'd see uh, how they treat people. And you'd see perhaps a peace and serenity in the midst of challenge and calamity sometimes. So that's the beauty of this program. Thank God for um, Alcoholics Anonymous. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Who else would like to comment on this, these two paragraphs this morning? Leanne. Reva P. 
Okay, I got several people out. Of, I have several people out of order here. I'm going to tell you what I have, and then um, apologize for the order. I have Leah M, Janice M, Reva P, and Janice B. Who's next, please? Kim G. Hi, Kim. Anybody else? Rachel W. And Rachel W. Anybody else I might have missed? We got them all. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, Leah M., I have you first. Thank you so much, Melanie. Uh, From a trembling, despairing, nervous wreck had emerged a man brimming over with self-reliance and contentment. You know, what this is describing is the transformation that's possible through the application of these steps, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. And, you know, I don't know about your disease, but I can tell you about mine. You know, I tried numerous remedies to stop this beast. Um, I've been abstinent thousands of times. Uh, The real question was, how do you stay abstinent? How do you get comfortable with sobriety, food sobriety? Because it seemed to me, you know, that compulsive overeating was the glue that held me together. Um, But when I sat across the table from a person in whom the problem had been solved, and he cracked open this text, and he brought it to life, and shared the experience, the journey that he had gone through, and this transformation Um, I left that conversation with something I came in without, and that was hope. And that was hope that, yes, it was possible to be relieved of the mental obsession for food, and it was going to be possible to have such a dramatic change in personality and in character and in values if I was willing to do this work that was described and that's exactly what happened. And that's exactly what we read about, you know, in the appendix in the back of the text when it says, you know, we've experienced a profound alteration in our reaction to life. And that's so true. You know, if I took the time to tell you this, my story, you wouldn't be able to believe that I used to think the way I used to think, that I used to felt, feel the way I used to feel, that I used to behave in the way that I used to behave, because it doesn't represent anything. Uh, in the way that I conduct myself today. You know, we always uh, listen up. We perk up for our abstinence dates, and I can tell you that mine's January 19, 1987, but the date that I would really like to celebrate, I don't know. You know, I would like to tell you the day that the resentment towards my parents disintegrated. I would love to tell you that. And I would love to tell you the day that the fear seemed to diminish. You know, I would love to tell you the day that the self-loathing went away, that the guilt went away. I don't know those dates, but I can tell you that that occurred. You know, so this program of recovery, like we read in this paragraph, transformation, made possible not by information, by, by an experience that's possible for every one of us as we apply these 12 steps. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah M. Janice M. Well, good morning to you, Melanie, and everyone. My name is Janice M. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. What is the solution? What is a solution? A solution is an answer to my problem. 
that that's what it is. And guess what my solution always was? You probably can identify with this. Solution was always my, the food, certain substances. However, um, what Dr. Silkworth is going to be telling us now, he's going to give us two examples, and we're reading one of the examples of his experience, which means he, he actually witnessed this. And he witnessed somebody like me that um, was a chronic, is a chronic compulsive overeater, which means that I was always in the food, in the food, you know, uh, maybe through diet pills or whatever. And I always wanted um, a solution. Um, so when I would stop, I would be restless and irritable, and my solution would be go back to the food. Well, here's a guy, here's a man, you know, from hopeless to hope, that he had such physical problems, physical problems. You see, before he could have this transformation, the food, the alcohol had to be down. As it says, following, following the elimination of alcohol, which I can identify, which means following the elimination of my binge foods of entire abstinence before, before I embark on these steps. Because, you know, I used to think I was one of those, do the steps, be in the fourth step, be in the fifth step, still eat, and see what we can do, and see if I could get a transformation. I can tell you from my experience, that did not work. So it's emphasizing, he's emphasizing here through the whole chapter that the allergy of the body has to be suppressed. First, the food has to be down because I, it, it's like being under anesthesia going through the steps if I'm eating. You know, oh, I might catch this or I might catch that, but I'm not going to be a different mother. In fact, I'm going to be worse. I'm not going to be a different friend. I'm not going to be uh, um, not raging. In fact, I'll rage more um, when I have the food. So the food has to be down. Then I can accept this 12 steps. I have to know and I have to be convinced, which I am today, that I am a compulsive overeater. You know, um, I, I, I'm allergic to certain substances. I don't go to the doctor and, and I'm allergic to penicillin and say to the doctor after six months, oh, do you think I could have some penicillin now? I mean, that's absurd. Um, if I'm allergic, I'm allergic, and I'm always going to be allergic. Then the answer will be for me, and it has been, thank you, God, that I accept. That's the answer. That's the solution. The plan outlined in this book, what is the plan is recovery, recovery, recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind, which is the 12 steps. And it's a, you know, then we can change. But the food cannot, I cannot be in action. I cannot be chasing certain foods to make me feel better and then embark on the plan. And that's what it's telling me, with no return to my binge food. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Janice M. Reva P., Good morning. This is Reva P., Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Um, this paragraph is an example of the type of change and transformation that results from putting my binge foods down and working the steps. And for me, it's about change from the inside out. 
I always was looking for a solution on the outside, thinking it was going to fix my insides. And that's, um, you know, why dry drunks don't, don't attract me. Um, and that's not what I want. Um, so yes, it's twofold nature of the disease and it demonstrates in this paragraph what he had to do for both of those parts. He had to eliminate the alcohol or for us, the alcoholic foods and then follow and accept this plan of action, which is the 12 steps. Um, But I just wanted to share, you know, before program, not only was I crazy and insane with the physical, emotional, and there was no spirituality in my life, but it always felt like there was this hole that, you know, I was trying to fill with food, this hole of not feeling right, not feeling comfortable in my skin, not feeling comfortable with my feelings, and I didn't know how to deal with life on life's terms and deal with all the emotion. Um, And what this program has done for me by first putting down the alcoholic binge foods and, and binge behaviors and then working the plan as outlined in this book, which has repeatedly given the same positive results, like what more research do we need? We have case history after case history showing us the evidence um, of change, positive results, and the maintenance and long-term maintenance of these results. Um, um, It was change from the inside out. It was more, and it is more than just physical. I have been emotionally spiritually, soul-wise, rearranged. And I believe that's what attracted me when I walked into my first meeting, the people who had it. And I didn't know how to describe it then, but it was as if their eyes were clear. The weight of the world that was on my shoulders wasn't on their shoulders. Um, And there was a joy and um, a happiness in their life. Um, And they could joke about things that's what I want. I don't want to be a dry drunk anymore. I want a total transformation. And it's so simple. um, And it's right here. And I don't think I've ever seen it so clearly. Eliminate the binge foods and follow the plan. And no return to alcohol. I mean, and then I'm going to get another story and another story and another story. And that's how it works. I am so grateful um, to have evidence of people who are totally changed around me um, constantly. Um, I don't need any more proof. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Janice B. Uh, thank you. Good morning. This is Janice B., compulsive overeater. And this this paragraph to me is is talking about trans, transformation. And um, he had lost everything worthwhile in life and was only living, one might say, to drink. And I can relate to that. I can relate to that. I was an empty, and I was spiritually dead. I, you know, I, and I heard hope when I came into this meeting. And the hope was a personality change. I knew I was the problem. Um, and, and food was not the solution. It hadn't been the solution. And um, I, I needed a personality change. And then, um, and you pick up the steps, the plan outlined in the book. I picked up the steps. 
And then um, it says, I knew this man, the man by name and partially recognized his features, but their all resemblance ended. And for me, this has been a real process. Um, I tend to focus on the negative and what I don't have. But when I focus on the positive, and so, and so I don't see my change very well. My head is still telling me that uh, I'm the same. I still have the negative ideas. Of, I still have the story of who who I am. But when I look back over my shoulder and I see the change that's happened in me, then I can recognize the change. Um, I'm, I'm kind of like, um, I, I don't see it myself, but um, it's there. And, um, and uh, so that's what I wanted to say. And um, I passed. Thank you, Janice B. Kim G. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. You know, there's a saying I love. It says, the truth shall set you free, but first it's going to piss you off. So I I love this chapter because it tells us some really great truths. It's saying here, following the elimination of alcohol, he accepted the plan outlined in this book. So first the alcohol had to go down before he worked the steps. This is not a new concept in this chapter. Back on XXVI, it says, more often than not, it is imperative that a man's brain be cleared before he is approached, as he then has a better chance of understanding and accepting what we have to offer. They slam that home again on XXVII, where it says, of course an alcoholic ought to be free from his physical craving for liquor, and this often requires a definite hospital stay, before psychological measures can be of maximum benefit. And even when the doctors ask what the solution is, he can't describe it. He has to talk about experiences, and he says following the elimination of alcohol. In the second example we'll study later, it says following the physical rehabilitation, then he became sold on the ideas contained in this book. It's very clear cut that we have to put the food down in order to be available. You know, I'm thinking today about my home group on Sunday, what a girl shared my truth for 10 years, more than 10 years, over a decade in, in Overeaters Anonymous, where she said, you know, I binge last night, I'm waking up, I'm going to get back on track, and I'm going to commit that I'm going to work on my fourth step today. I remember saying that. I remember thinking as soon as I put the food down, I can go to a, a step that I, I have not any business being in. It's saying before we embark on the program, the book here is assuming we're sober as we're going through the steps. Unfortunately, that is not an assumption in, the big, in, in Overeaters Anonymous. And I think about this TV show I saw years ago where they had people drinking at a bar and the, the host said, okay, everybody stop. How many people think they can drive? And 80% of the people raised their hand. And when they had breathalyzer test, 80% of them were over the legal limit. And they were, for example, oh, my God, I had no idea why I was impaired. They were so upset that they could have hurt somebody by drinking and driving. That is my reality. I don't know I'm impaired. I don't know I'm not available when I'm in the food. I need to put down the food and work these steps to understand what the food was doing to me. 
So it's so essential. Yes, this is the truth. And if anyone is pissed off, great. Because until you understand this, until you fully absorb the fact that you must be sober to work these steps, you could be like me and spend decades in these rooms suffering binge after binge after binge. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Rachel W. Good morning, Melanie. This is Rachel W., uh, Recover Compulsive Reader Calling from New York. And um, I just wanted to focus in on the sentence here. From a trembling, despairing, nervous wreck had emerged a man brimming over with self-confidence and contentment. Um, you know, how does that happen? You know, and, you know, when I share my story, um, that's the first thing I, I say is, you know, it makes no sense. It makes no sense that I'm sharing the story of transformation. Um, what, you know, how does that, how does that occur? You know, how, how can you even explain the miracle of, of a recovered life? And really what it comes down to are um, the actions, you know, the choices within every private moment of whether or not to, you know, to go towards recovery or away from it. It's as simple as that. And for me, um, you know, it's been an evolving process in these rooms. I feel like I'm always continually evolving, um, but to learning more and more about, you know, what this desperation of this disease is and and the the depths I really need to look at myself because there was so much wreckage in the past that I needed to clean up that I wasn't even aware of. And it's only over time that, you know, I really see more and more of it. But the difference is today I have tools. I have the steps. I have a network. And this word self-reliance, it's interesting that the sentence is telling us that, um, you know, we have this self-reliance and contentment. You know, I can rely on myself today. You know, I'm the same person. I could rely on myself to go out of my way to find binge foods so that I could be, you know, as filled up as possible. I could rely on myself to uh, be rude to other people. I could rely on myself to do a lot of other things. Today, I, I know I can rely on myself to turn to my higher power, to turn to my network, to turn to others and say, here's, here's what my thoughts are, here's what my feelings are, I just want to check this in with you. you know? and, and I know I have to be careful because I spent so long you know, going from you know, like putting the food down, which seemed like you know, once you have that physical transformation, it's as if, oh, great, you know, this is great, I'm living the good life now. But then it all becomes about um, you know, my God became external validation. That's, that's all it was. And, um, and then it was just like transferring. So now today, thank God, I just want to say how grateful I am to, to have this uh, transformative process in my life that's a daily process. It's, it's continuous. It's never over. And I think that's the big secret is that it's not really supposed to be. And um, today I can see other people um, more clearly today, I'm in crowds. I see other people struggling with food. I know their battle, and I could offer a silent prayer for them, even though I'll never speak to them or know who they are, but I know their struggle, and it, it really does connect me. So thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you, Rachel W. And then we'll prepare now to move to the next set of readings. Martha Z., would you continue our study this morning by reading paragraph 3 on XXIX to the end? Good morning, Melanie. Can you hear me? I can. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for your loving service. When I need a... I'm Martha Z. Um, recovered uh, compulsive overeater from, um, by the grace of God from near Philadelphia. When I need a mental uplift, I often think of another case brought in by a physician prominent in New York. The patient had made his own diagnosis 
and deciding his situation hopeless, had hidden in a deserted barn, determined to die. He was rescued by a searching party and in desperate condition, brought to me. Following his physical rehabilitation, he had to talk he had a talk with me in which he frankly stated he thought the treatment a waste of effort unless I could ensure him, which no one ever had, that in the future he would have the willpower to resist the impulse to drink. His alcoholic problem was so complex and his depression so great that we felt his only hope would be through what we then called moral psychology, and we doubted if even that would have any effect. However, he did become sold on the ideas contained in this book, He's not had a drink for a great many years. I see him now and then, and he is as fine specimen as manhood as one could wish to meet. I earnestly advise every alcoholic to read this book through, and though perhaps he came to scoff, he may remain to pray. William D. Silkworth, M.D. Good morning, friends in recovery. Um, this story is um, is about Fitz, the Southern gentleman. He's, it's a story that's called The Southern um, Friend. It's in the big book. And it's, um, it's also um, on page 56. Under We Agnostics, there's, there's an accounting of that, and, and it talks about the friend being a minister's son and, and that he said, if there is a God, he certainly hasn't done anything for me, and that he has this experience, spiritual experience who says, who are you to say there's no God? Anyway, um, let's see. So um, Kim made reference to what I was thinking of in this first part, where it says, following his rehabilitation, and I thought to myself, I was reading, and I thought, yes, just one other place in the doctor's opinion where it keeps saying that you have to put down the food first. Um, he became sold on the ideas contained in this book. And I thought about the, let me see, the other part, hang on a second, I lost my place. The other part is, it, it talks about so that's following his physical rehabilitation. It talks about moral psychology, and I and I thought about that, and I thought about, to me, spiritual awakening is another um, way to put moral psychology, and I thought it's, everybody's been making reference to this, but the part where it says ideas, attitudes, and behaviors or something that were once the guiding forces become cast aside and we become rearranged. And I, I always laugh and, you know, I, I hear people on the line, and, and they talk about how they used to be, and and they, you know, they say they're so different now. And whereas I might not be able to believe that, I do believe that because that's what happened to me. And um, anyway, so um, and then I think about Roland Hazard, and when he came to to Dr. Young, and Dr. Young was pretty much saying the same thing about needing, you know. Um, some kind of, you know, spiritual awakening, moral psychology on him, and they didn't think that would work too. But ended up being very helpful. He ended up bringing um, that to Ebby, and and then Ebby brought it to Bill. So at the end, where it says, "I earnestly advise," I've got strongly after earnestly, and scoff is scorn, mock, sonnet, ridicule, that he may remain to pray, and. Um, I heard one time one of the studies that I went to, they were talking about how Dr. Silkworth didn't sign um, 
the doctor's opinion right away, and that it wasn't till 1949 when he signed it, and this book was written in 1939. So um, anyway, that's all I got, and I am so excited to be seeing many of you in Virginia Beach. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Martha. H from New York. Hi, Charles H. We can take probably, looks like, three, maybe four to take us to the top of the hour. Who else? Mary, Amy, Mary A. Hi, Mary A. And I Thank hear you. Amy E. And let's try one more to see if we can make that come in. Anybody else? Okay, well, let's go with Charles H. for right now and see if that works out. Good morning, Charles. Good morning, Melanie. See, Charles H. a recovered visionary just for today. Just getting... Just, I had to sleep for like 17 hours after this weekend I had, and I know, you know, oh, my God. So um, two things that really struck me this morning. He became, you know, he accepted the plan outlined in his book, and he became sold, um, um, you know, he became sold. Uh, so beautiful things happen after becoming sold, and, you know, even, I, I got to say this, Thursday I put my name out there to take uh, someone through the doctor's opinion. That happened, and Friday, and I told uh, that individual about the convention, and boom, that person was at the convention. Saturday, we're doing a big book study. That person's on the fourth and the fourth step now because of self-sacrifice, because of the altruistic move, because of becoming sold on the plans in his book, accepting the plans outlined in his book. I could so identify with these two individuals. I could so identify with Dr. Silkwork being such a humble person, um, not wanting to sign his name on, on, on his opinion um, until 10 years later. Um, and, and, and a medical saint, yeah, a doctor saying, please read this book through. And though you may laugh, though you may ridicule, though you may, you know, you may remain to pray, those words are prophecy. Um, being revealed 80-something years later, right now, in this moment, right now. You know, Charles, I hope you continue to read this book with people. I hope you continue to read the book in yourself. I hope you continue to pray. I hope you continue to um, meditate. I hope, you know, if prayer is bread, meditation is butter. Oh, that's too good for a Tuesday morning. But um, I'm, I'm fired up, y'all. I've been listening. Um, thank you for all the, the new voice. That, there's more. There's more. There's more. Um, beautiful things happen when you become sold and accept the plan outlined in this book. Um, beautiful things, beautiful things. Uh, beautiful different voices all lead to the same road. We're about to trust this road together. It's going to be a long road, but it's going to be a beautiful journey. It's going to be a beautiful scenery on the way to the road. Amen? So I hope that we remain to pray. I hope that we remain to get together. And, 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 and do this thing. Let's do it up. And I love you guys, and let me shut up. Thanks. Thank you, Charles H. Mary A. Hi, can you hear me? I can. Good morning. Oh, good. I hope I'm clear. Good morning, everybody. How is everybody? It's so wonderful to be here and be listening to this. Um, you know, I speak to many, many groups, and I bring what I learned here and the two things, the two words that have that I've never understood in the big book is the word recover. Oh, let me set my timer. And um, and 
in all the other groups I've been in, I never understood about the will, about willpower, because I've always known that the one gift that God has given me is my will. So when I would come to program, oh, you don't need the will. It has nothing to do with willpower and, of course, everything we're reading to do. You know what I love is we always end these meetings with, you know, the last two paragraphs of a vision for you where Bill Wilson is saying, or whoever wrote it uh, with him, said, you know, we only know a little, but God will reveal more to you. So um, it was in my search. Um, So first, of course, the word recover, I completely, and I have no problem saying I know what I'm recovered from. And I think I brought that to so many people who, you know, we know are just, you can't use that word. We can never be recovered, of course. We know that's ridiculous now in light of what we've learned. But it was the the willpower, and in, in my search was many years ago, was in, if you've never read it, it's the most wonderful read. And I'll just read a couple of lines. It's from the 12 and 12. I believe Bill Wilson wrote this. And in, like I was saying, in the last things we say, God has only showed us a little. He will, he will show us more. So in this, I found out what I was looking for. And it's on page 40 and 30, 41. And it says, um, this statement may surprise newcomers who have experienced nothing but constant deflation and growing conviction that human will is no value whatsoever. But all by himself, I'm going to skip a whole paragraph, all by himself and in light of his own circumstance, he needs to develop the quality of willingness. When he acquires willingness, he is the only one who can make, he is the only one who can make the decision to exert himself. Trying to do this is an act of the will. All of the 12 steps required sustained and personal exertion to conform to the principles. And so we trust in God's will. And this is the end of it. It is when we try to make our will conform with God's that we begin to use it rightly. To all of us, this was a most wonderful revelation. Our whole trouble had been the misuse of willpower. See, we had tried to bombard our problems with it instead of attempting to bring it into agreement with God's intention to us. So when I saw that, bells went off, and then I understood it. I still don't understand it because two years ago, I came and I was lost my abstinence. Everything was, and I just had the willingness to come on to meetings and listen and listen. And with that came the grace, entered my heart like Bill Wilson to say, but I know everything in this book says what I'm trying to say. So thanks for listening. Thank you, Mary A. Amy E. Good morning, everybody. Amy E. Grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater, uh, and looking forward to meeting you all this weekend. Um, I, too, want to hone in, as Charles H. so wonderfully did on those phrases. Um, he accepted the plan outlined in this book, and then the, the other gentlemen becoming sold on the ideas contained in this book. What are we becoming sold on? What are those ideas? Um, it, it, it's... It's abstinence to a point, but if we read this big book, uh, there's no 
program of action of how to avoid alcohol. There's no food plan written in the big book. What this book is, is a, 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 a plan, a program of action on how to develop a relationship with a higher power. That's what this book presents for us. That's the solution. Um, and that's where it will, the 12 steps will lead us into a deeper relationship with that higher power. And uh, so the solution is a belief in a power greater than yourself. The food plan is just the beginning to get one clear, as everybody's been emphasizing, that twofold nature of our disease. We have to get the food taken care of and abstain from the foods that trigger us so that we can be clear on uh, uh, looking at ourselves and getting ourselves in right relationship, that willingness that the previous speaker was just talking about, that open-heartedness. God, what do you want me to do? I've given up. I'm waving the white flag. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. And so many of us have that point of grace, and we say, okay, I'm ready. I'm joining Overeaters Anonymous. I'm done. I'm putting the food down. And then what happens when we relapse? What is that thinking that has us say, you know what? I'm not willing to do this anymore, or I don't want to do this anymore. And it's that resistance. It's that any lingering notion that we can eat like other people that we have to be constantly vigilant about a day at a time, or else we lose that gift of grace that allows us to walk into the rooms in the first place and say, perhaps you guys are right. I am a compulsive overeater. Tell me what to do. Tell me what I need to do. Um, so, uh, uh, and, and that's where some of the tools can help us stay close to that willingness, that willingness to continue one day at a time, taking the steps that we need to do to continue staying humble and in right relationship with God. Thanks, I pass. Thank you, Amy E. If anyone would like to have the last two minutes for sure, I would open that up for one more person. Renata. Hi, Renata. Please take that last two minutes. Thank you so much, and that will take us to the end. Thank you, Melanie, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. Grateful today. Um, I don't have my book with me. I'm driving. But, um, you know, the big book is very repetitive. I like, um, you know, in just in these two stories, like we see a pattern already that, you know, put the food down and work the program of action. You know, the first story talked about how the men accepted the plan outlined in the book, which are the 12 steps. And then the second story, you know, he became sold on the ideas contained in this book. Again, you know, the 12 steps. And, you know, the 12 steps, uh, you know, it, it's a a program of action, right? So... I can't be transformed just by uh, reading, just by, uh, you know, gathering information, right? Like people say information is not transformation. And so, you know, we see in all the stories in the big book, we see, you know, in the lives of all the people there on this line every single morning, everyone who's recovered, the pattern is exactly the same. Put the food down and follow the plan, the ideas 
contained in this textbook, which means, you know, I'm not going to read it as a novel. Like, I need to incorporate. I need to follow the directions. And, you know, the steps, they're not, it never ends. So, which means that, you know, it's, it's going to be a new way of living. I need to incorporate those steps in my life every single day. And that's how we get permanent recovery one day at a time. As long as we keep working these steps, these ideas, you know, then we don't need to go back into the food. And uh, that's what I get from the reading today. And uh, another thing very quickly is that it doesn't matter how bad it looks or how hopeless you feel, you know, the steps work. There are people on this line that have weighed like 700 pounds. They have lost everything. There are people on this line that only had 10 pounds to lose, you know, but they were miserable. And so it doesn't matter. The steps work. Uh, with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Renata G. And thank you to everyone who shared today. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study that immediately follows this meeting. We will now close with a reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And will Elizabeth S. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, this is Elizabeth S. Can you hear me? I can. Hey, thanks, Elizabeth. Okay. Um, my name is Elizabeth S. I'm a recovered compulsive eater from um, Alberta, Canada. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.